Welcome back to Train to Win, the podcast produced by the Association for Talent Development Houston Chapter, inspiring talent development professionals to achieve their full potential. Hey, this is Bruce Abbott, Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Chapter, and today we are talking about coaching culture. But before that, we do want to remind you there is an important date coming up really soon, April 1st. No, not April Fool's Day, but the very last day you can early bird register for our ATD Houston Virtual Technology Conference, Transform Learning. The conference is April 22nd, and you can register at tdhouston.org events. Now, if you register for the conference before April 1st, you not only get a special discount, but you are entered into the drawing to win an Oculus Quest 2 Advanced All-in-One Virtual Reality Headset. If you visit tdhouston.org, you can check out this fabulous day of learning with internationally known speakers. We have Myra Holden uh, with uh, Amazon. She is going to be our keynote. Kathy Hackle, she is our keynote closing speaker. And we actually have uh, many of our speakers, uh, they're going to be podcast guests over these next couple of weeks. So we're looking forward to speaking to them. Find out more at tdhouston.org. On the homepage, there's a big banner. Click on that and you can find out more. Just remember, April 1st, early bird deadline registration. So sign up today. Today, I'm joined by Kim Sawyer and Vic Villara of the Enterprise Coaching Group. And we're talking about coaching culture, why your organization needs this culture and how to build that culture within an organization. Kim, Vic, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Great to be here, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Before we get into coaching culture, the Enterprise Coaching Group, uh, which you can find more about at getcoachingculture.com, tell us a little bit about your background. I'll start with you, Vic. Well, um, I hate to mention it, but I've got 40 years in HR. I started at <laughs> Ernst & Young. That's a big number, Bruce, I know. Um, I started at EY, then spent 10 years with DDI. I'm a certified master trainer and um, worked predominantly with big pharma, aerospace, which was very big back then, and um, manufacturing companies. In fact, one of my big clients was Toyota when they built their assembly plant in Georgetown, Kentucky. My last consulting gig was um, Corn Ferry. And uh, all three of those, I got very much involved with employee opinion research, which today is more uh, uh, frequently referred to as engagement surveys. And so the next 20 years, I became one of those HR people that I uh, consulted with. So I've been chief HR officer for three technology companies, including one that was a $350 million publicly traded firm. <clears throat> About um, 10 years ago, I decided that I wanted to um, upgrade my uh, educational skills and decided I didn't need a terminal degree, but went on to become certified as a master coach. And so I've been coaching for the last 10 years, predominantly C-suite individuals. And so that's uh, pretty much it. Not too long ago, I connected with Kim Sawyer, uh, my partner, uh, through a um, ICF, International 
coach federation, uh, the organization we're both certified as coaches um, on a LinkedIn group and uh, the rest is history. And Kim's very familiar face, a very familiar face with ATD Houston. Of course, he's been a guest on, on our podcast before, and also uh, he's done some events and webinars with us. Uh, fill us in a little bit on your background for those who are not familiar, uh, Kim. Uh, sure, Bruce. I've been a friend of and member of ATD almost since I began my career and uh, active in ATD Houston in various ways over the years, speaking um, at annual conferences, uh, monthly meetings, special interest groups, and uh, and I've gained a lot, and I hope I've given a lot back. Um, my own career, the first 20 years of which was entrepreneurial, and so I started and grew and sold a company and then tried to start a bigger company with other people's money, and um, we were about to launch our Series B and open our first locations when two big airplanes flew into two big, big buildings in New York City. And um, along with uh, all of the um, with all the built, the wreckage of the buildings came, you know, the wreckage of the venture capital world and all the money went and hid. And my management team and partner and myself had to disband and go make a living. So at that point. I was blessed to have a few years um, of time to search for a new career, and I began as a consultant for small businesses. Um, in the process, I discovered my love for uh, working with leaders and teams to help them be more effective. Um, I, discovered a field, a field, I discovered a field called organizational development, and I uh, decided to get a master's degree in that to branch myself into the broader organizational context. And while there, um, I discovered coaching, which was just becoming a thing in uh, the early 2000s. Um, coach University started up about that time. And as the first coach training institute, I signed up, got trained, got myself one of the early coaches as a mentor and have never looked back. And so I like to tell people that the career I found and have done for 20 years now, which I absolutely love and probably will never change. I discovered it because my business failed. And it's not my greatest successes that got me where I am today, but the failures. And I'll just leave that there. That's a topic for another conversation another day. At any rate, um, today I work with largely mid-cap companies, um, you know, 100 million to 2 billion, a um, couple of hundred to a couple of thousand employees, working mostly with the C teams. Um, and going through high growth with private equity money or recent IPOs. Um, in a recent gig, and this is sort of what brought us together, um, the company I was working with was growing really fast, hiring, promoting, um, and they found that they could not keep up with developing these people to their new responsibilities and jobs and onboarding people into their culture quickly enough. And I had been coaching the C team and uh, their CEO came to me and said, we need this for everybody. We need coaching for each individual in our company so that we can have better control over their skills development and the direction our company grows to be ready for the future. And so I thought, well, gosh, how can we get coaching for every employee without hiring a coach for every employee? And I keyed on the manager employee relationship as an, a place where a coaching relationship could be built, developed a system to equip coach, uh, managers to become real coaches for their employees and help them roll that out across the organization. 
Um, in the process, it was an amazing experience. The culture began to transform. And not long after that, the word coaching culture arose in our field, became one of the uh, strategic objectives of the International Coaching Federation. And I realized that I just built one. And uh, and so when Vic and I met and began talking, you know, we we looked at each other and said, this is a thing. This is something we can put together and package and bring into any organization for them to begin what we call coaching themselves as a coaching culture. And we've uh, been in the process over the last year or two of building our programs and bringing them to market. And thus the launch of the Enterprise Coaching Group. So, uh, Vic, before we get into the, the what and the how of coaching culture, tell us first why an organization would want one. Kim touched a little bit about that, but what would make it, what difference would it make for them? Well, you know, the this whole concept of employee engagement, the the surveys indicate that low engagement costs companies a half a trillion dollars a year in lower productivity, which eats into profitability. Do I need to go any further? <laughs> Um, it all comes down to the mighty dollar. Yes, yes, absolutely. And on top of that, over the last 20 years, the level of employee engagement has been pretty stagnant. And yet companies over the last 20 years have spent in excess of $8 trillion trying to address engagement-related issues. So those two things combined really tells the story that I don't think enough companies realize that, you know, if they don't do anything about it, or I guess I should say what they are doing about it isn't working. Um, Harvard Business Review talks about how important employee feedback is, and yet only 28% say that they get meaningful feedback from their boss. So that's a real critical issue that we believe coaching culture and our approach addresses. Now, when you couple that, with this pandemic that we've been through, this roller coaster, um, what we're finding is social isolation has caused significant issues. Um, it's also led to greater anxiety, emotional exhaustion, and feelings of being burned out. So what, what a coaching culture does in, in the way that we have structured this, and I think as, as uh, Kim had said, um, there aren't a lot of really good definitions out there. And I, I know Kim's gonna explain what, what our approach is. Coaching culture helps leaders practice what effective feedback is. It 
gives them a focus on the three things that are important to employees. One is that their boss cares about them. Two, cares so much that will give them feedback, recognizes them as valuable, and gets actively involved in their development. Now, to add to that, Kim, I want to bring you in and ask you your view of coaching culture. Sure. Um, thanks, Bruce, and thanks for that, Vic. Vic's our data guy, and he loves the numbers and the research. But you know, to recap as a transition, employees are engaged or disengaged to the extent that their relationship with their manager is such that there is an active collaborative connection there. And also, one thing Vic forgot to mention that's really important is, you know, companies' highest performers are critical to the success of that company. The top 20% of performers in a company produce 400% greater value for the company than the average employee. And so it's really hard to keep these folks who know they can go other places. And if you go for a dollar for dollar battle, you're going to ultimately lose. So being able to build non-cash reasons that an employee wants to stay with the company, um, knowing they have a career path in the company, knowing that the company cares about them, they're working in a healthy collaborative culture, um, having reasons to stay. Um, that's critical to keeping those top performers. And at the end of the day, employees need more than ever, as you say, a, a dependable, structured, regular contact and connection with their boss in the COVID world and post-COVID world in order to feel like they're still part of the company and a team. So we define a coaching culture as simply nothing more or less than the company that coaches itself. That is, employees of the company coach each other in a variety of ways, both formal and informal as a way of doing business with each other. And those processes are tied into the business processes of the company. So they're sustainable. Um, we start with the notion of a manager having a real regular coaching relationship with each direct report. Um, and we'll, I'll go more into the different aspects of coaching culture, but we're talking about a culture. And so what do we mean by culture? That's another very vague and ambiguously defined concept in our business. And we try to define culture simply as a set of values that drive what a company's employees pay attention to, talk about, and take action on. And by value, we simply mean what is important enough to be thinking about, talking about, and doing. And so if you could somehow survey the employees or watch and listen in, whatever the top 10 things are that they're talking about and thinking about the most, that's the company's culture. And those things aren't often what's serving the success of the company or its strategic objectives. The good news about that is that companies can redirect people's attention to the things they want the, their employees to focus on that can help make the company more successful and higher performance. So this coaching conversation that we're trying to equip employees to have with one another 
builds into it, the co very coaching process builds into it, the focus on the values of learning, growth, future focus, collaboration, as well as um, uh, um, uh, loyalty to the company that's mutual. So every time a coaching conversation happens, some people are paying attention to those things. And those are many of the things that are going to make almost any company more successful. So that's how we define coaching culture. When we get employees coaching one another on a regular basis, we mean real coaching. And we'll talk about that when we talk about how you build one. Then the culture begins to transform naturally because of the nature of those coaching relationships. I know sometimes the, the word culture is thrown around a lot and it can be vague. Um, although I do think that what you explained was very simple and, and, and made a lot of sense. Now, how is it put into practice? And Vic, I want to direct this question at you. I mean, how, how does a, a, an organization build coaching culture? Well, you know, w when I was a 20-year member of ASTD, now ATD, um, and I was training leaders, no matter what level that I was training, it was always, you know, this is really great, but my boss doesn't do this. And so the concept of um, rolling it from the top down is absolutely critical. Now, that doesn't mean we, we can't start somewhere else, but if the boss doesn't understand it, reinforce it, acknowledge it, and in, in fact, deploy it, um, it'll never happen. It, it's just another flavor of the month kind of program. So what we do is, we focus on the aspects of a conversation that are critical. And that's asking good questions, getting feedback from that employee, acknowledging them, and keeping the loop going. An organization is a structured set of those conversations. And a culture is a structured set of values. And so as we've been talking about, we create this framework for those discussions. And, you know, again, it, you know, everyone's heard the people leave bosses, they don't leave companies. So it's critical that we focus on that relationship. And by focusing on what constitutes an effective conversation, then that's what creates the series of conversations that becomes a coaching culture. Can I step in, Vic, and offer a few thoughts? Yep. So the bottom line where this has to start is a manager has to be able to do real, regular, formal coaching sessions with their direct reports 
as an add-on to their current management relationship. Coaching does not replace management. Management is about making sure through a variety of tools that employees are doing their current responsibilities adequately well. And that will never stop and it will always be necessary. However, if a manager relies only upon their ability to control and coordinate the behavior of their employees, it's very exhausting and very time consuming and actually tends to set up an adversarial relationship between the employee and the manager. What's needed on top of that is a leadership relationship, meaning where the employee is choosing voluntarily to follow their manager and work with their manager and help their manager. But that choice can't come from the manager. It comes from the employee. And what the manager has to do is build a relationship with their employees that make it most likely the employees will want to cooperate with the manager rather than having to be controlled or influenced to do that. We have found that a coaching interaction does more in one thing to create that leadership relationship than any other thing we found. It builds a regular communication that's dependable between the manager and the employee. The manager becomes an ally and collaborator with that employee to help the employee grow toward what will be a win for the manager, a win for the company, and a win for the employee because their own desires for career success are wrapped in to that development plan. And it builds a regular way of communicating from manager to employee, from the top down through the organization. Now, it's an amazing infrastructure of learning and development, collaborative conversations that are happening throughout the company. But how to put it into place is really difficult because what's happened for the most part is there's been lots of training of managers and coaching skills. But then the actual coaching doesn't sustainably happen. And in fact, you can't train most people to become a coach. It takes hours and hours of practice and learning and training to just sit down and have a coaching session. What we have found is if you can build the coaching into a framework or a recipe, follow these steps in a meeting, talk about this, 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 and this in that order, then all we have to do is train the manager to follow that meeting and give them the basic listening, questioning, and feedback skills to use in communication as they follow that meeting. So the coaching isn't in the manager, the coaching is in the framework. And it's much easier to teach a manager to run a meeting a certain way than to become a coach. And so we do that. We train the managers in the organization to learn how to do this one session at a time through three basic sessions so that they can really coach their employees. And then we encourage the company to tie that to performance management and evaluation at the end of the year so that those sessions have to have happened in order to have the data for the manager to use in evaluation. So now they're sustainable. And then you have locked in place this coaching conversations. The other thing we've discovered as an add-on later when we began to work with this with a couple of companies is that there's also this possibility for managers to become peer coaches of one another. So if you take managers from across the organization in different divisions and functional areas at the same level and put them in a group of, say, six to ten people, 
we can teach them how to run their own meeting where they're coaching one another on a regular basis. And now you have this other layer of internal coaching conversations that the company can use in a variety of ways. So there's a number of tools and we've built programs around each of them that can put in place these various pillars that maximize that coaching culture. Do you find obstacles to buy-in? Any with this? Obstacles. Well, buy-in, as I mentioned, ideally top-down is the way to go. But you go wherever the level is most receptive. So if we're dealing with manufacturing, for instance, because manufacturing has some serious issues to contend with, then then that's the point at which we would enter. Um, oftentimes, it's as a result of our coaching relationships with the C-suite. So we might have one-on-one -on -one coaching already established with the VP of sales or the uh, chief uh, technology officer. <clears throat> and then that individual will recommend us to the CEO or wherever the budget purse strings are managed. Now, quite honestly, you know, this is often <clears throat> part of the HR <clears throat> learning and development budget. So no matter who we connect with, we still have to get their buy-in and support. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in fact, we, we have to come with the value proposition to the place that we're in conversation. And if it's at the C-suite, it's largely around engaging employees to, to participate and contribute more voluntarily to the goals of the company. It's a matter of keeping high performers that are producing the greatest profit and productivity. If we're talking to HR, though, we talk about having an infrastructure or a pipeline of coaching conversations throughout the organization that they can use to drive any kind of strategic initiative, any culture change, any learning initiative. Um, so that that goes from manager to employee in these collaborative interactions that actually give action to the learning, right? Every coach coaching involves looking at where I am with the employee, looking where the employee is, looking at where we want to go, looking at the gaps, talking about specific things we need to learn, and then what actions are we going to take between now and our next session to drive the learning? And so that's a powerful way to bring learning into action individually or in parts of the organization. And if HR has those kinds of tools, they're all about it. So we start there. One of the biggest obstacles we find, because it's not hard to, to show the value, but what oftentimes happens is what happens when you get to employees that are hourly employees and they're not interested in career advancement? And so how do you involve them in that um, or geographically disparate employees, which can be challenging and brings in the need for virtual coaching and virtual training in this program. And oftentimes even more organizational structures that leave managers with 10, 12, 15 direct reports. And there's no way a manager can provide individual leadership to each of those reports. So oftentimes the companies have to relook at 
restructuring and reducing the size of teams. So there's many moving parts in this happening. It's normally 12 to 24 month process from beginning to end for all of those things to fall into place. Excellent answer. I, the reason I asked that question is we do have a lot of, of our chapter members and listeners that are at such varying levels within an organization. And I wanted to be able to, obviously there's the website, getcoachingculture.com where they can learn more, but also I wanted to kind of prime the pump. And so no matter where you are in an organization and your role, if this is something that sounds like, wow, you know, we could really benefit, um, they can can tie into this. And also, I also want to suggest that if they can check out the getcoachingculture.com, they can find out more information. And if a listener wants to find out more information beyond that site, maybe something organization specific, how would they get a hold of you guys? So this is what we like to do. We offer to anyone that listens to one of our talks or these podcasts or interviews a chance to have a complimentary coaching session with Vic and I to really dig more into coaching culture and our programs and how it might be relevant to them. They can also book us to speak on these topics if they're in organizations where this is a relevant conversation or simply get on our email list so that as we send out content related to coaching culture, they can be in the know. Um, and in order to do that, all anyone has to do is pull out their mobile phone right now and send a text of the word engage 33777. Yes, simply send the word engage by text to 33777 and they will be guided through that process and how to get connected with us and for us to redeem the offer they're asking for. And again, it's 33 777. Yes. With the word engage. Absolutely. Thank you. Vic Ballara, Kim Sawyer of the Enterprise Coaching Group. Vic, Kim, thank you so much again for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to uh, to finding out more. Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And we want to thank you for listening to Train to Win. Be sure to visit our website, tdhouston.org. You can see all of the great stuff about the conference we were talking about earlier. There's also uh, an embedded player where you can listen on your desktop. And of course, you can always subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, RSS. That way you never miss an episode. And if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. That helps other people find the podcast as well. Tell a friend about the show or share it on social media. Train to Win. It's a production of ATD Houston. This is Bruce Abbott, and we will see you next time on Train to Win.